What are the characteristics of a healthy doctor-patient relationship, and are you doing the best you can to keep up your end of the deal? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Jeffrey Rudolph, licensed clinical psychologist practicing in New York, New Jersey, and Florida. He is a board-certified diplomat in cognitive behavioral therapy. He is an assistant professor at the Department of Psychiatry at New York Presbyterian Hospital and at Yeshiva University Furkov Graduate School. Dr. Rudolph has been writing for and consulting to corporations and professionals on relationship issues for over 30 years. Dr. Rudolph, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be with you today. Well, I'm wondering, what do you think, if it's one thing that has really happened to sour the doctor-patient relationship? Or is it multifactorial? I think it's multifactorial. I think it's the climate, it's the medical climate that patients are exposed to and doctors exposed to as well. It's no secret that in this era of regulated healthcare, both doctors and patients are compromised. Doctors need to spend less time with patients, more time with administrative details, record-keeping, accountability for third-party payers, such as insurance companies and HMOs. And as a result, they're, in a sense, forced to see more patients than they would optimally want to see. And I think this impairs the quality and the continuity of care that they would desire to give to patients under more optimal conditions. I can tell you that I personally am entertaining going to the concierge model of practicing medicine so I can spend a nice hour with my patient whenever they want to come in and be a true doctor, caregiver, pastor, rabbi, priest, philosopher, whatever they need me to be. Well, I think that it'll take less than an hour. Interestingly, there have been research studies that say probably about two or three more minutes is all that's needed in a regular consultation examination period. But those two or three minutes really count. Uh, The two or three minutes involve the asking of open-ended questions, perhaps psychosocial questions about the patient's family or work. All they want is to be heard. And if I sit and just listen to their story, they don't really expect me or need me to solve it. They just want some validation. It's hard to take a look at a medical problem or an illness without considering its context, the style of the person their mood, their family support systems. Uh, These are factors that enable people to be more resilient. And, you know, the doctor-patient relationship is extremely important to patients. I think that doctors negate that kind of importance. Patients really want to feel considered, respected. They want to feel that their feelings count. They want doctors to care. And essentially... Being a better listener is probably the best way of doing it, asking for examples, amplifying, asking a patient to amplify the kinds of concerns that they have. All of this creates this ongoing, solid patient-doctor relationship. In your years of writing, thinking, consulting, 
Have you been able to actually teach a doctor these skills, or are, are most of them inherent? I think it's both. I think that we have different personality types, and some people are more hardwired to be listeners, to be reflective, and so forth. I think that from what I'm reading now, more and more medical schools are mandating communication skills courses for their doctors. And of course, the earlier they learn and the more opportunity they have to practice, the better they get at it. Well, what would you say would be the first thing to attack if you're sitting with a doctor and trying to teach him how to be a better listener or a communicator? I would say that it's important to ask open-ended questions. The more open-ended the questions, the more information and data the doctor gets. If you allow a patient to freely elaborate, you'll get details, you'll get examples of what's troubling them, you'll get an emotional flavor for how they're relating to their state of health and what the impact any medical problems have on them and their family. And I think that we can shape better patients, patients who are better in their role of patients, to observe themselves more objectively and offer us more incisive information, more data about their complaints. In your practice, do you treat any physicians? I treat physicians in my psychological practice, yeah. And what is their biggest complaint of their unhappiness with their profession currently? Less face time with patients, more harried, ritualistic schedules, a sterility, a day-to-day sense of sterility in terms of what they're doing, frustration in terms of intrusive interactions or angry patients who would call or demand information. But you see, I think that a lot of these problems can be remedied if doctor takes care to properly orientate and educate and create the right opportunity for patients to appropriately express themselves. I'll give you a simple example. There's a study done in terms of the perceived sense of satisfaction and the perceived amount of time that a patient spends with a doctor, face-to-face time. If a doctor would stand up for the entirety of that consultation period versus sit down for part of it, that period was seen as being shorter and less satisfying. If the doctor simply sits down and offers some body language, an affirmative smile, moving towards the patient, some kind of a gesture of understanding, the patient is not only more satisfied but perceives that the doctor is spending more time with them personally. It doesn't take a lot. Well, one of the problems is that there is now a new body in the exam room which is called a computer and that is totally disrupting the relationship even more so. I absolutely agree. A number of patients who've complained about their internists or their specialists have said that there's insufficient eye contact, that the doctors would rarely look up and they would be typing away or they would be referring to the chart, the patient's chart, as they were listening, quote, end quote, to the patient or attempting to talk to them. And patients have said to me, you know, do they not review the chart before they walk into the examination room? Or how much time would it take them to 
type after the exchange. You see, the point here is that the patients really value FaceTime. That active exchange, even if it's 5, 10, 15 minutes, makes a difference. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. My guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Rudolph, a clinical psychologist who practices all over the country and who spends a lot of time writing and consulting on relationship issues for physicians. And we're trying to figure out how we as physicians can be better caregivers. Besides looking at them in the eye and sitting and not standing and trying to get the computer out of the way, and as you mentioned, asking open-ended questions, is that sufficient or is there still more we can do? There's always more we can do. One of the things that we can do is to check our patient's understanding as to whether they understand the rationale behind the treatment that we want to offer them. One of the other things that I think is very important is that there are patients in this era of the Internet that do their own research. They may be knowledgeable, at times even more knowledgeable than the physician, in terms of the particular details of their complaints or problems or disorders. Why discount this? You would want to encourage a patient to express what they know. Make sure you're on the same page, and certainly don't discourage them from expressing other approaches, perhaps alternative medicine, whether it be vitamins or herbs or the use of exercise. You see, there are a lot of patients, it seems, that are concerned even in expressing to their doctor what they're doing to try to help themselves because they may fear that they'll be judged as being the second doctor or under the guise of some quack that's writing about an alternative remedy. Well, why should I care? I feel that we have been marginalized, commoditized. They don't really think of us as their physician as much as their caregiver du jour, as long as we're in their medical plan. And as soon as their insurance changes, they jump ship. These are very good questions. And I think the following are reasons that we should care. Number one, There's a great deal of evidence coming out that doctors are much more likely to be sued for malpractice if they are perceived as insensitive and uncaring and if they are perceived as diminishing the value of the patients that they treat or they're not adequately accessible and responsive to patients that are in acute practice. It's no secret that compliance, patient compliance, is very, very much rooted into the caring relationship. The more a patient feels valued and considered by their physician, the stronger the bridge there, the more likely they are to follow the treatment regimen, take good care of themselves, and be involved in preventative care as well. The other aspect in terms of why we care is is that if we don't care, we tend to burn out. And the physicians that are involved in direct patient care tend to become cynical, irritable, agitated, apathetic, bored, and resentful of the patients that they see. It's much better to root a solid practice in a collaborative relationship with a patient than go through the rotating process 
of having somebody abandon your practice when they don't like you or they don't think that you care. The patients that are rooted, the patients that are compliant, the patients that you give the extra effort to are the ones that are likely to refer to you, similar patients, similar higher quality patients. So this is a reciprocal process where patients condition their doctors and doctors condition their patients. Patients are not born as DCs, as we call them, difficult customers. They're shaped and they're molded through their experiences. Our time has come to an end. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jeffrey Rudolph, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. If you'd like to comment or listen to any of our library of podcasts, please visit us at our website, reachmd.com. And once there, register with the promo code RADIO, and we will give you six months free of streaming ReachMD. You can listen to all day at home or at work on your computer, and thank you for listening.